I thought the military was a, a way to uh, serve my country. I believe in volunteering and I believe in, in giving back and I believe in service. And at a, at a broader level, in a democracy, it can't survive without folks who are willing to step up and, and raise their hand and do that type of work. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a Maine business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series helps us to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank and Maine Technology Institute, or MTI. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it. A story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank, and may lose value. Hi, everyone. I'm Renee Cordes with the Main Biz Podcast team. Today, we're talking to Bill Benson, Executive Director of Boots to Roots, a Portland-based nonprofit that helps retiring military members find meaningful employment in Maine and put down roots here. Bill will talk about his own transition from U.S. Army veteran to business ownership in Gorham and what that transition was like for him and his family. He'll then touch on how he connected with Boots to Roots, as well as some of the challenges of attracting military families to Maine. Let's hear more from Bill. Bill, we're honored to have you on our show. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So before we talk about your military service, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you grew up. Oh, sure. Uh, So I grew up in uh, Massachusetts, just on the outskirts of Boston. My father was uh, was an engineer. My mom, for most of the time, was a stay-at-home mom. It was a great place to grow up. And, you know, while I lived in Massachusetts, we had a cottage up here in Maine on the lake. And uh, I've been coming to Maine my whole life, which is so great. So ties to Maine going way back. Yes, for sure. Now, tell us a bit about your educational background. I know you studied political science uh, and government as an undergraduate. So what, what drew you to that field of study? Yeah, so I did. I University of New Hampshire, a political science major. I've always enjoyed history. But to be honest, I don't know at the time that really anything else appealed to me. So I, I knew going into college that I was going to join the military. I had a four-year ROTC scholarship, which was a great opportunity. And what prompted you to apply for an ROT scholarship in the first place? Why was did the military get your attention already when you were in high school? Yeah, I I don't really know. Other than to say it was a calling. It's something that I've always had on my list of things to do. I thought the military was a a way to uh, serve my country. I believe in volunteering and I believe in in giving back and I believe in service. And at at a broader level, in a democracy, it can't survive without folks who are willing to step up and, and raise their hand and do that type of work. Having that focus and, and going to school, knowing that I was going to graduate with a job, a very specific job that I could prepare for and that it, that was important to me, really motivated me to do the ROTC. And 
because of the ROTC, you then had a commitment to serve in the military for a certain period of years. Is that right? That's correct. So it's a four to six year commitment uh, upon graduation. And so that in, in the active duty military, which I was excited to do and you know, get out and see different parts of the country uh, that I never would have seen otherwise. And so I, I was I was really excited about having the opportunity to do that. So tell us about your military career. First of all, of, of the military branches, why the U.S. Army and where did you start your service? Yeah, so I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So I, I to be honest with you, I get a little bit uh, motion. I have a little bit of motion sickness, so I couldn't see myself uh, successful in the Navy uh, or even in, in the Air Force, to be honest. But something about being outside, being close to the earth, that, that always appealed to me. Uh, so... I think I was always most comfortable. I grew up in uh, scouting and so spent a lot of time outside camping and that kind of thing. So it just seemed like the most natural fit to me. And tell us, where did you start your service? So my first duty station, well, I spent a little bit of time in, in Kentucky, uh, going to training in, in Georgia and, and uh, North Carolina. My, my first real duty station was out in El Paso, Texas. And, uh, you know, what a great place to to be in my early 20s and, and just driving out there and seeing all of the, the country that I had never seen before and uh, literally didn't know what to expect uh, showing up in El Paso. I didn't know that it was right at the edge of a mountain range, for example. And I remember being surprised as I was driving across the Texas Plains. It was just fantastic and uh, really getting immersed in a different culture at the time. So that was fanta- a fantastic experience. You know, from there, went to Georgia and then Texas, out to California, to Germany, Tennessee, Kansas, Colorado, back and forth to Texas and Kansas a couple of times. And my final duty station was was back uh, south of just south of Dallas or north north of uh, Austin, Texas at, at Fort Hood. So that that's where I ended up in 2014. Of course, and that, since, that, that spanned a whole uh, 24 years of yeah, service, I believe. So when yep. you first went into the military, what was your initial plan? Did you intend to spend that much time? Uh, no, I, I was open to it, but I, I didn't really have a plan beyond going for four years and and, and seeing what I could learn and, and experience. I enjoyed my first tour, so I wanted to stay an additional amount of time. By the time I was at the 10-year mark, at that point I was married, uh, we, we were having our first child, we were stationed in Germany at the time, and you know I was rethinking things and thinking that I, I wanted to put down roots someplace and, and be settled with a new family, and so I was really contemplating uh, getting out of the military. Uh, I wasn't allowed to, to be blunt, and I still had some service obligation because some of the additional schooling that I had gone to. And so we recommitted and went and found a job that I was really passionate about and continued to do the, the, the work. And then, of course, after 9-11, the, the, whole, the whole world changed and I was committed to, to that mission and, and doing my best to make sure that it was done well. You had deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan, I believe. Yeah, 42 months total of over four different deployments, uh, three in Iraq and, and one in Afghanistan that ended in 2013. And where was your family at that time? It must have been hard to, to be apart from them. So most of the time they were in Colorado. Actually, my first deployment, um, I we were actually moving at the same time. So I, we moved from Kansas to Colorado. We were moving from Kansas to Colorado the military housing in Colorado wasn't ready yet when I left. So we actually drove to Maine with two young kids under three years old 
and my wife went to the cottage uh, for two and a half, three months. I flew to Iraq and she uh, stayed here with the kids and then moved cross country by herself and moved into the home in Colorado and, and, and made all that work. Amazing. And uh, Bill, at what point did you start thinking about and then planning your retirement from the military? Yeah, I'm a planner by nature. And I think my wife is a little bit too. So we started a little bit early. I mean, we, we finally left the military in 2014. I would say that we had been thinking about it for at least a couple of years uh, prior to that. And I've been looking at places to to move to, you know, we had our list, like a lot of people do, you know, what are the things that we're looking for? You know, what was and, on that list? Yeah, for us, it was, you know, we wanted, we wanted, a, you know, a larger home, but we wanted it on some land, but we wanted it close to a, a town so we could have access to schools and, and, you know, the things that a town center has to offer for our kids. We wanted to be close to the ocean. We also wanted to be close to the mountains. We wanted to be within 30 minutes of an airport. We wanted to, like, there was a lot of things on that list. And so, uh, my parents actually who who live in when my dad retired from from work he they they moved up to Cape Elizabeth Maine so they were up here anyway and saw a a home that was being featured in the Portland Press Herald and sent it to my wife and I and my wife got on the phone and it was in Gorham Maine and we had never been to Gorham before didn't know where it was and never you know seen <laughs> this house obviously but liked what we saw in the in the in the advertisement on the Portland Press Herald. So my wife got on the phone and called the superintendent and the soccer coach and the swim team. And, you know, really we started reading the local paper online, the, the Gorham times, there were back, back issues that we could go in and read and kind of get a feel for the community. And uh, it really just felt like a, a good fit. We were drawn to Maine anyway, and, and this seemed to have all the things that we were looking for. And so Again, I was deployed to Afghanistan, so my wife went ahead and purchased the home without me. Without and we, even seeing it. With, and without even seeing it. Uh, absolutely right. And it's it's ended up being a, a great decision. We're really happy where we are. And how quickly did you settle into your new life? Well, by necessity, we settled into it fairly quickly. For me, it was a, it was a change of career fields. I, I made a lot of the rookie mistakes coming out of the military. I had a resume that was overly militaristic and, and not easy for civilian hiring managers to understand. Uh, had a lot of experience on there. I mean, I tried to cram everything that I'd ever done in 24 <laughs> years into my resume because I thought, well, I'll just put it all in there and then something will, will catch somebody's attention. And of course, that's not the way to write a resume. It's not the way to get the attention of hiring managers, and especially in Maine, because you know there are no large military bases here. There aren't those pathways established for military folks to to be successful here. And I certainly experienced that as I as I got ready to transition. Uh, I had been interested in entrepreneurship anyway, so I had been researching businesses, and I'd gone on different business brokerage sites, and had actually flown to Maine six months earlier to interview. A business owner about potentially purchasing their business. We didn't end up going into that into that business. We we purchased another one, which which was in Gorham and close, and it, it captured some some of my interests. And you know, my wife I think a little reluctantly agreed to, that she would come along and and work the office and and figure all that out. So it did end up being a change in in uh, career field for her as well because she was doing something that she had never done before. 
Bill, did you know any military members who had left military service and come to Maine? Anyone at that time that you could ask for advice? No, I didn't. Um, I wish I had. You know, we've kind of figured it out. And I, I would say that a lot of folks coming out of the military, this is certainly uh, a fault of mine, is not wanting to ask for help. And we are routinely put into situations in the military that you're not necessarily trained or resourced for, but you're expected to be successful. And so yeah. you kind of you kind of figure it out. But that network, you know, didn't exist up here, at least for, for the team Benson, you know, for us, you know, we had to kind of figure that out. And so that was certainly a, a challenge that we had. Had you ever thought of starting a business from scratch or was it easier to buy an existing business? Yeah, if I had had a big idea, I guess I would have considered it. The reality is that we had three kids and we had college coming up and, you know, we, we didn't, sometimes when you start a business from scratch, there's some, there's some delay in, in actually making any money. We had saved up specifically to hopefully be able to, to purchase a business or do something like that. So we thought that that was the best route for us, although we certainly considered it. And we also researched different franchise models. I connected with a franchise coach and went through that whole process, very educational. We chose, decided not to go that route, but it was a great experience and exposed us to all types of opportunities that we otherwise wouldn't have known about. So then tell us how you went about finding a business and how you decided what type of business to, to buy. There are several business brokerage websites and there are business brokerage services that sell businesses. I went to one of the websites and we, we ended up uh, purchasing this business directly from the owner without going through a broker, but it was in Gorham. So it was close by, you know, within five miles of the home, which made it a really easy commute. And with kids at home and so forth, we thought that that would fit well into, well into our lifestyle since both my wife and I would, would be having to be working at, at the business and provide us some flexibility. The, the business we purchased was a manufacturing company. They, they basically manufactured share treads and other, other wood trim products for homes. I had a interest in, in woodworking. I knew what the machinery did. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily skilled at it, but I felt comfortable that at, at its essence, manufacturing is all about getting the right people and equipment and materials in the right place at the right time. And essentially that's what you're doing in operations in the military. So that's one of the reasons it was appealing to me. It must have been also very different from being in the military. You talked about how well, how it was uh, like the military and applying some of your skills, but was it a shock to the system? It, it wasn't. I would say that the, the biggest thing I realized on the risk side is that if you fail, it's really, it's your failure. And for those first six months, it was a real challenge. And we made rookie mistakes like every business owner I'm sure does. Then it was a really hard winter that winter. We were very tied to the building industry and contractors and, and flooring stores and, and so forth. And like I said, we, we had made a bunch of rookie mistakes like business owners do up front. And, you know, typically the new businesses or new business owners, they typically run out of cash because they underestimate the cash flow they need to, to finance a business. And that proved to be a challenge uh, for us and the one that we didn't anticipate being as difficult as it was. And so, yeah, we were talking to bankruptcy lawyers and so forth about six months in. We pushed through a couple more months and, <laughs> and things started to turn. And we got to the point where, hey, we, this, well, we're, we're not going to fail. Like we might, not, we might not be super successful, but at least we'll 
at least we'll break even on this thing. And then, you know, as we continue to grind away and every year things got a little bit better and our client base improved and we understood how to be more efficient and more cost-effective. And, you know, from a place of thinking we were bankrupt at, at the six month mark, we transitioned out of the business at right around five years. And, um, I couldn't have scripted a better ending for the way things went. So, you know, all said and done, it was a great experience. We learned a ton. I would be a business owner again. I mean, I believe that much in, in the, the experience and, and the outcome, you know, I don't think my wife would be as eager to jump in and do it again, (laughs) honestly, but I, I, I would do it again. So Bill, after closing this chapter in your life, uh, I know that you went to uh, Boots to Roots. Just briefly, can you just introduce to listeners who don't know what Boots to Roots is, what, what is it? Yeah, so Boots to Roots is a nonprofit uh, based in Maine. We only do work in Maine. And, and the mission is to assist military members who are transitioning from active duty, find meaningful work in Maine, and providing a pipeline of military talent to Maine's workforce. So, so that's, some, something that you could have used uh, when, when oh, you first came here. Yes, absolutely. And I've heard that over and over again from, from veterans who have tried to transition here. So, so Bill, how did Boots to Roots get on your radar? We had already uh, decided to sell the business and that we were moving, we, you know, we were further, far, fairly far along in the process. And I started looking at, at open jobs and I was actually a lawyer who was working on the sale, who was a, himself a Marine veteran. And he said, Hey, Bill, you know, have you looked at, at Boots to Roots? He was really coming at it from more of a volunteer uh, perspective, uh, maybe volunteer as a peer mentor or as a, a career coach or coaching some uh, a veteran, other veteran who might want to go into business for themselves. So he mentioned Boots to Roots. I had actually just seen the Boots to Roots uh, job advertisement for their first program director. They were hiring their first paid employee. And, you know, I looked at the job description and thought, man, they're asking for a lot. They're not paying very much. And they're asking for that person to do a lot. Like, it sounds like a really interesting (laughs) job, but like, they're crazy. They can't be, they can't be expected somebody to do all that. But then after the lawyer, uh, Eric had, had mentioned, you know, his experience with Boots to Roots, uh, it made me relook. I called the, the executive director at the time, Jen Fulmer, who was working pro bono. She was the face of, of Boots to Roots. And, you know, from the first conversation I had with her, I knew I wanted to go to work uh, for Boots to Roots and, and was sold on the mission. And and really that's for two reasons, right? One one is it's my own experience as a transitioning military member and, and my ties to the military and wanting to help people transition off of active duty. But also as a small business owner, I mean, I, I understand the impact that that a good employee can have on the business. And I was having conversations with other business owners all the time. And they were always asking, Hey, where can I find workers? And where can, specifically, where can I hire military people? And I, unfortunately, I never had an answer for them. I, I didn't know. I, I tried to utilize some of the resources that I was connected with, but I, I never found a good answer. And so when I, when I heard about Boost Roots and specifically when I talked to Jen, really resonated with me, the, the impact that, that, Roots mission has and, and my connection to it. So I couldn't, I couldn't have applied more quickly or been more enthusiastic about coming to work for Booster Roots. So certainly the start of another exciting chapter. Now we're going to take a very short break to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll learn more about uh, Bill's work at Boots to Roots. 
Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. And the reality is that for veterans who are coming from a purpose-driven organization that really values their effort and their experience, they want to join another organization that values them. And so if you're not tied into employment, you start to question your value. That employment piece is such a big part to the success of of veteran transition. Welcome back. We are talking to Bill Benson, Executive Director of Boots to Roots. Bill, you were just telling us about starting a new chapter after you sold your small business in Gorham to take a job with Boots to Roots, I believe in spring 2019 as program director and the organization's first paid employee. Was it also an adjustment for you going from entrepreneurship to the nonprofit world? Oh, the nonprofit world is a completely different uh, community, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't fully uh, appreciate that. But in my last couple of years as a business owner, I had run for the school board in, in Gorham. And so, you know, the school board is a, an organization composed of seven different people from t- seven completely different walks of life who are all trying to work to, towards a common objective. They all have different experiences. They don't agree on everything, but at the end <laughs> of the day, you have to, you know, you have to achieve results for the kids in your school system, right? And, and for the education program in general. So, I often look to that as a good precursor to prepare me from working with the board of directors in a nonprofit. And, you know, because I was the first paid employee, we really relied on volunteers, right? Okay. And, and so your volunteer base, they only have so much free time to be able to give and that you can't task them like you, you would task an employee and, and give them deadlines and so forth. I mean, you can ask, but you can't really task. And and so that, that, that's a big difference. And it's something that I, I certainly had to get used to. But fortunately, I had had that, that school board experience. And I think that that really gave me some perspective and, and helped my transition. But it definitely was different. And what did your, the job of program director entail? Yeah, so really, you're doing everything day to day. So our program consists of helping transitioning military members translate their military experiences with resume and interview coaching. Uh, We also have career coaches. So you're literally the person taking those initial phone calls from, from every new teammate who is trying to come to Maine. So you're doing an assessment of, of their skills and their needs and their family needs. And, and then and it's not just helping them uh, with, with employment that that's a part of it, but also with other things like finding housing or doing research on schools and so forth. Right. So every teammate's different. And so you really are creating a pathway for that teammate to be successful in Maine. And, you know, that's, you know, our primary focus is employment because we think that's such a huge part of successful transition. If you don't have a job, you can't buy a house or you can't do so many of those other things that you need to do and start putting down roots and being involved in a community until you have a job. And the reality is that for veterans who are coming from a purpose-driven organization 
that really values their effort and their experience. They want to join another organization that values them. And so if you're not tied into employment, it, you start to question your value. That employment piece is such a big part to the success of of veteran transition. I mean, our typical teammate is between 30 and 45 years old. They're married. They've got kids. 200,000 military members transition out of the military every year. 200,000. That's a huge number. I was I had to look that number up three times when I first heard it because it <laughs> seemed like it was too high to me. But literally all of them are going to go find some type of work after they leave service. And and they've got families that they have to support. And so it, it's critical that they're successful, not only for themselves, but for, you know, for their families. And, you know, you asked about, you know, what kind of services, and I mentioned the translating of military experiences and interview and resume coaching and some career coaching and so forth. The second part of that program, though, is the networking piece, right? It's getting them tied into um, business owners and other veterans who are, have been successful in Maine and are working in industry and can answer questions about what it's like to sit through the hiring process or to you know submit a job application. I mean, think about this, most veterans, this is the first time for most of us that we're applying for a job. Right. So we've never submitted applications and, and gone on websites and posted our resumes and then, and then not heard anything for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or six weeks. And I, I keep talking about, you know, feeling valued and, and so forth. But, you know, for, for a veteran who is used to really immediate feedback, you know, you're used to having, hearing back, you know, within 24 or 48 hours and you know, or immediately, and you know, whether you're doing something well or doing, not doing something not so well, or whether you're going to be competitive for a future assignment or for promotion or whatever, you know what that, that um, schedule is for the most part. And so when you are reaching out to, to companies and they're not even, you're not even getting a, a response, it, it's really, it's really demoralizing and, and they have to be reminded that, hey, that's, it's a normal part of the process. Don't take this personally. You know, typically it takes eight to 12 weeks to find work. And, you know, that's why we like to connect with our teammates you know, up to 12 months before they're, they're ready to transition. That early uh, connection and, and starting early is really the key indicator of, of successful transition to Maine and, and meeting our two goals. Our two goals are one, to have you hired within 60 days of arriving to the state. The second goal is that you stay in your first post-military job for at least 12 months. And that's important because if you stay 12 months, it's much more likely that you're gonna stay long-term there's a cost associated to businesses for hiring for every time they have to onboard somebody. And if they know, or if the person they hire just leaves three months later or six months later, they're not as likely to come back um, and hire another military member. And so it's really important. I, I notice you talk about the people that you help, you refer to them as, as teammates rather than clients. What's the reason for that? Yeah, really important. Uh, ultimately, you know, we're not we're not a recruiting firm. We don't charge for our for our services. We're not transactional in any way. And why that's important is finding a job is on is on the transitioning military member. Like they they have to be part of this process. We're not just saying, "Hey, here's a job, you know, show up on Monday." Like that's 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 not what we do. It's really learning what what their needs. It's learning about the business and the the employer and finding out the type of employee that they need and the culture we love visiting businesses and and finding out more about 
you know, that how they do business and what their culture is like, and then matching them together. So how many of the teammates you work with have previous ties to Maine? I believe some of them are, are coming here without any previous ties here. Yeah. Again, our typical teammate is not from Maine and their spouse is not from Maine. We still do have several teammates who had ties to Brunswick when Brunswick Naval Air Station was open. So we're still seeing a fair amount of Navy folks who are coming back specifically because of their service in, in Brunswick. Even some kids who were stationed there with their families who want to come back to Maine. But you know, that, those numbers are getting smaller as, as the population gets older and we get further removed from Brunswick sure. being open. So, but, so typically they're not from Maine, their spouses aren't from Maine. They've, they may have, like I did, I came here as a youngster and, and through most of my life, my whole life, and that, which was my connection, but I wasn't from here. Um, we've had teammates who their only experience is at the Bangor airport flying back from deployment <laughs> And, and they have such a great experience with the Bangor greeters up there and that whole program. What a fabulous program that is and really speaks to the spirit of Maine. And that has literally been the key for a couple of our teammates for, from com for coming to Maine. But there are a lot of things up here that attract people. I mean, it's the proximity to the ocean and the outdoors and the fact that we're not a very dense state and you can find some space and you can still find land and, you know, live a little bit more independently. And that appeals to a lot of folks coming out of the military. Bill, just getting back to your experience at Boots to Roots, you became executive director in early 2020, seems like a lifetime ago. Where was the organization at that point? So uh, part of the catalyst bringing me on as executive director is that we really felt that it was time to hire a second employee and we wanted to bring somebody else on as program director. We were growing. We had, we were continuing to, add, we, every year we've gotten big, we've, we've grown, right? So despite COVID, and I, I, I want to point this out, you know, we helped more people find work uh, during 2020 throughout COVID than ever before. And we had more teammates sign up for our program and we had more businesses reaching out to hire teammates than ever before. And so that really told us that this is an organization that that is meeting a need in in Maine, and because of our growth, we're 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 getting too big for one person to be able to do all that work, and then to do some of the outreach we just talked about. Like there, there's a lot of work just that just goes into the outreach. So you still have to have someone focused on on teammate success, and so it was tied to hire a program director. That was the intent. So I came on board. We were literally the day that the, our new program director was going to sign his letter, uh, you know, his offer letter, the lockdown occurred for COVID and, you know, the, the new program director decided it might be better for him to stay put in his current job. And, you know, as an organization, we thought, well, maybe it's better. We don't hire a second person right now. And let's see how, how this all plays out with COVID because no one knew um, what the future held. And so fast forward a year. So we got, we got to the end of 2020 and said, well, we still need to hire somebody else uh, because we've had all this great success. And, you know, five years in a row now where we've increased the number of teammates we've helped find jobs and we've increased the number of folks who are applying to our program. So, That's yeah, right. so we did hire a program director at the beginning of 2021. So it's it's two of us. And going forward, if the, if the momentum continues, we'll have to be hiring a, another person or at least a part-time person for sure. Exciting. And and how challenging was fundraising uh, during the pandemic? And very briefly, where does Boots to Roots get its funding from? Yeah, so it, it uh, so we did 
we were able to sustain the level of funding from the previous year, despite the despite the pandemic. And again, I think that's an indicator that the, we're filling a need, that Booster Roots is filling a need. We really have three pillars of, of our fundraising. We have uh, businesses, we have our five-star partners like you know, Bath Ironworks and Dead River and Memic and FMI, Systems Engineering, our newest one, Nichols Portland. You know, they all have recognized the value uh, that military members bring to, to Maine's workforce. And then we have other great sponsors and a great group of, of business partners. So that's one avenue of fundraising. And then we also have been aggressively applying for grants. And so that's, that's another, another pillar. And we've had some success there. Unum, for example, uh, two years in a row has has awarded a ten thousand dollar grant for for Boots to Roots, which has been extremely helpful. This year, we were very fortunate to receive a seventy thousand uh, dollar one time award through the Richard Bernardo Trust. It's not a renewable grant, but it allowed us to really navigate the you know this this difficult economic time. And then the the third pillar is really the state involvement, right? We think this is that the workforce is an acute state problem. We did receive a small micro grant from the Department of Economic and Community Development this year, but more importantly, they, the legislature passed LD542, which is a legislation to establish a pilot program specifically to help military members transition to employment in Maine. And that program is going to be funded through the American Recoveries Act. Well, we're now going to take a final break and then we'll wrap up with some lessons and takeaways. Maine Biz is Maine's business news source in print, online, and in person. We inform, engage, and connect you to the business community throughout Maine. Subscribe to Maine Biz products today at mainebiz.biz. Ask for help. Like don't don't feel like you have to do this by yourself. And if you're listening to me and you are transitioning from the military or you have a loved one that's gonna transition from the military, <laughs> tell them don't do it by yourself. Like it's okay to, to reach out and ask people for help. We are back talking to Bill Benson from, from Boots to Roots. Uh, Bill, looking back on your experience of leaving the military and moving to Maine and starting a business, what did you learn from all of that? If you could boil it down to a Oh, sure. So, you know, one of the big things is, I may have mentioned this before, but ask for help. Like, don't don't feel like you have to do this by yourself. And if you're listening to me and you are transitioning from the military or you have a loved one that's going to transition from the military, (laughs) tell them don't do it by yourself. Like, it's okay to to reach out and ask people for help. And, you know, Booster Roots is going to be here. We've got people that want to help with that transition. Uh, and make you successful in Maine. So I, that's the biggest thing that I would that I would pass on. And you've had more than one transition in your life. So I'm curious, what what was more challenging for you, running a business or running a nonprofit? Well, I'll have to think about that. I think because of the challenges and things were so new in 2014, I would say that it, the business certainly was more challenging. And I go back to the fact that I learned how to ask for help. Um, you know, yeah. because of that, because of that experience, but also at Boots to Roots, we have such a great um, network of volunteers and peer mentors, and you know, a board to provide guidance. So, because of that great network, I would have to say that the business piece was more challenging. And surely, you must also get queries from uh, military folks who are thinking of business ownership when they enter the civilian world, other than telling them to 
ask for advice, uh, any pitfalls they should avoid, things that you advise them against? Yeah, I'd love to have a, like, I will personally have a conversation with anybody who is interested in business. Do your discovery and, and don't rush into purchasing the business because you don't feel like you have any other choices because that, that's, just, that's just not true. I'm also curious, what is your message to employers in Maine about hiring military folks and what they bring, what their skills are? Yeah, for employers, hire a teammate because they're going to make your business better, right? It's a, it's a value proposition. And they're hardworking, trustworthy, trainable employees. They've got those soft skills, you know, in leadership and, and work ethic that, that are hard to train, uh, but are inherent in some folks. And, and most folks coming out of the military ha- have those skills inherently, and they can learn the, the specifics of, of your business. So hire them because they're going to make your business better. That's the reason to hire a, a veteran. And you've covered some of this already, but just very briefly, what's ahead for Boots to Roots in 2022? Oh, we're really excited. So uh, we, we've entered into an agreement with uh, Airbnb. They've dedicated $30,000 to assist uh, veterans who want to transition to live and work in Maine to help defray some of those job hunting and house hunting costs. So if you're not from Maine, but you want to come here to to find out what Maine's like and, and maybe you know do a couple of job interviews, uh, Airbnb has offered up a voucher program to, to help defray some of those costs. So we're really excited about that. I mentioned about being more proactive and we've got a great uh, marketing campaign going with Live and Work in Maine and Northern Light Health, uh, specifically targeting the, the military medical community to let them know about the great careers that exist here in Maine. We've also got one of our board members at Welcome Home Realty who has put together a network of real estate agents and property managers who are dedicated to assisting folks coming out of the military and transitioning to Maine find suitable housing because housing continues to be a challenge for so many people. And I guess one final question, you know, is Maine now home for you? Oh, I, we felt like Maine was home before we came. Uh, you know, it was the place that we always kind of satellited back to and, and Maine felt like home um, for us, which is, which is why we here, we're here. And I think, you know, we hear that uh, continually from, from teammates. They, they love the sign at the, at, you know, coming over the bridge that says, welcome home. That, that really resonates with, with folks coming out of the military because that's what they're looking for. When they come to Maine, they're looking to, to call Maine home. This has been a production of Maine Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other Maine Biz media products at mainebiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank and Maine Technology Institute, or MTI. The Maine Biz podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Allison Mason, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedanka. Logo and marketing design by Matt Selva. Subscribe to the Maine Biz podcast at mainebiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2022.